Amen. Thank you, Stephen. And uh, well, you can hear within those powerful words that Paul wrote his desire to, to just say, give me Jesus over everything else. Give me Jesus. And that's my focus. And, and that's where I'm aimed at. And we're just beginning today uh, a short three-week series. And it's entitled, Give Me Jesus. And uh, I trust that through this, that God is going to just stir within each one of our hearts that desire to, to want Jesus, desire Jesus more than, than anything else in our lives. Because there are so many things that try to grab hold of our hearts. That song, Give Me Jesus, uh, will always mean a uh, have a special place in my heart. Uh, I was not really that familiar with it, and I, uh, as many of you know, a little over a year ago, went through some pretty serious stuff with COVID, and, and I, I just remember how weak I felt. I remember uh, a visit to the hospital. I remember them checking oxygen levels and saying, oh, you're okay. Oh, it's a little low. We might have to keep you, and, and then being able to to head home, but I was so weak I just couldn't some days even do a little walk on our lane in front of the house. And, and I remember that first day where I thought, well, there's this little lap, it's about a half a mile down a mowed trail and up a lane back to my house. And I thought, you know, I'm, I know I can't do that whole lap, but I'm just going to, to walk part of it. And when I'm running out of energy, I'm going to turn around and head back to the house. And, and I got to the halfway point and realized, I think I can, I think I can make this lap. And I was coming up the, uh, the lane and looking across kind of toward our yard and the sun was rising. And I had downloaded this song, Give Me Jesus. And it's just playing in the morning when I rise, Give Me Jesus. And I can't tell you how much those words touched me and it goes on to say you know when i'm alone give me jesus when i come to die give me jesus and and in that moment and things being feeling so frail so fragile uh man i i like maybe never before in my life realized that that just give me jesus on this earth there's nothing that is more valuable more important than than just having a personal relationship with Jesus. And then we, when we come to die, even more so, uh, when we come to die and our lives are just a vapor, uh, how much more is it really just about Jesus? Just give me Jesus. That's all I need. That's all I want. Just give me Jesus. Only Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's a... A rare day that I don't listen to that song and some other songs on what I've accumulated now and call my Jesus playlist. And I think the desire to have our lives increasingly center on Jesus should be the norm for Christians. And, and that it should just be, if we really understand Jesus and we understand ourselves, uh, it, it just seems like what else would we see as being of higher value than, than just connecting to Jesus in powerful ways. But as I said, there's a lot of competition. And, you know, a lot of times in the first section here in your sermon guide is don't settle. And I just want to ask you right now, please don't settle. Please, please, please don't, don't settle for less than that vital relationship with Jesus, that give me Jesus focus here on this earth. 
You know, even when we're not aware of it, Jesus is orchestrating our lives. He is, he is the hound of heaven trying to capture our hearts. And, and he knows we're at our best when we're loving him the most. But we have such a strong pull, a selfish, strong, relentless pull to drag us away from, from that focus on Jesus. And, and, and the, the whole time, God's trying to change us, trying to draw us to himself. And, and, and we're saying, no, you know, I, I, there's other things that are more important to me. Uh, God knows that, that he's got something so much better for us. He's got something so much better for every one of us here today. Paul writes to the Philippian believers, and as you heard, uh, the main portion of the passage that we're going to be focusing on for this series, and, and he's writing to them because he's concerned about their spiritual health. He's concerned about the purity of their faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. There were Judaizers, Jews, and some non-Jews who were, were starting to stir things up among these believers and, and telling them that, that they really needed more than faith in Jesus. That wasn't enough. And they were trying to convince these uh, new believers that they had to rely upon their works. And, and on the top of their to-do list, the to-do this work list was the Old Testament rite of circumcision. And, and they were literally saying, you know, unless you're circumcised, then, then you're, you're not even saved. And, and so Paul takes time to tell them his story. And Paul's basically saying that Boy, if there's anybody who can trust in, in their own works of righteousness to have the approval of God, you know, put me at the top of, of that list. Why? Because first of all, uh, Paul said, I'm righteous by birth. I was circumcised the eighth day. And, and that significance of that was he's saying, I, I'm not a convert to this whole thing. I, I'm a pure-blooded Jew right from birth. And, and he spoke of the perfect heritage that he had, both of of his parents were Jewish and he could trace his heritage right all the way back to Abraham and 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 he was born into the tribe of Benjamin that was a very special tribe and and they were uh, the ones in which the first king King Saul of Israel came out of that that tribe so Paul's saying you know if, if, if it's about birth rights uh, and and finding approval with God then then it's me and also I'm righteous by choice. I've made right decisions that that should, if anyone can gain the approval of God through righteous works, it should be me. Uh, he said I, I was a Pharisee, the strictest sect among the Jews, and and he says I, I harshly persecuted the early church. I was zealous to project to protect the Jewish ways, and and he said I was a strict keeper of the law. And in fact, he goes so far as to say I was flawless in my keeping of the law. I mean, if ever there was someone under consideration uh, gaining the approval of God through good works, I mean, this guy should be considered the MVP, the most valuable Pharisee. Uh, he had lots of reasons to be proud of and, and to find security in his own efforts. But instead, uh, you know, he, he goes another whole route after 
thrashing the Judaizers in their own self-righteous game. He tells them, you're not, even, you're not even playing the right game. You're not in the right game. And in Philippians 3, 7, Paul says, I once thought these things, all these righteous acts, all these works were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. You know, something life-changing happened uh, that... that as Paul was walking on that road to Damascus and, and God met him in, in an incredibly special way and, and Paul had a whole new mindset and understanding of what it took to be found acceptable by God into verse 8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, <laughs> I have discarded everything else <laughs> counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. And, you know, at that point you could say, okay, Paul, you know, tell us what you really think. I mean, he says, all of these righteous acts that you're promoting and all these righteous acts that I did, you know, they, they, they add up to nothing but, but a heap of, of garbage. That could be interpreted uh, rubbish or waste products or you could put in their poop. It, it, it is all worthless. And, and you know, for us... There's garbage that we can rely upon that can keep us from living a give me Jesus life. There are those things that we can get entangled with that we can sort of use to, to, to find our approval in God that, that just don't add up. They're, they're, just, they're just garbage and there's just ways we can twist things that, that are even good things. Things I know for myself, uh, man, just my own ego can be garbage that keeps me from, from living a, a give me Jesus life. And, and I know that there's been segments of my life where, where using God and his gifts were kind of the direction I went. You know, God, I, I'm going to use you. I'm going to use the gifts you've given me in order to to try to gain significance of some kind instead of just simply valuing the relationship, using God instead of, of valuing the relationship with, with Jesus. You know, another one is, you know, at different times I've allowed my failures to distance me from Jesus, you know, where I, where I feel like, man, I got, I, I, that's pretty bad what I did, or I can't believe that, that, that I made that decision, and, and I feel like God you probably put me on a shelf and and now I probably need to spend you know months and months trying to to be worthy of being taken back off the shelf so that that you will love me and that you will use me garbage that can keep us from living a give me Jesus life I know another one for me uh, not understanding my sinful nature um, has sometimes uh, caused some confusion. And, 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 and it's so important we realize that our sinful nature is never reformed. It it's never gets, gets one little bit better than it is when, on our worst moment. And, and there's been times where, where when I recognize, I can't believe I thought that, I can't believe I did that, I can't believe I have that desire to do this or that, there's been those times that that's become garbage that has, has caused me to feel separated and unworthy to have a relationship with God uh, as, as I get more and more aware with each passing year of my life, God's holiness 
And, and so that can become garbage. Number uh, four I have here is we can slide into legalism. We can have that mentality. Uh, I'm better than most people, and so I, I must be okay. Uh, you know, I, I avoid certain sins. Or Yeah, I, I mess up, but there's sins that, that I really, I will not go past this point. So, so we can feel kind of self-righteous about that. We can, we can allow our good deeds, good things things that we do, uh, like, hey, I do attend church, and there's people that don't ever go, and I get there fairly often, or, or we can look at our, our, our vol- we, I volunteer to do good things, and, and so I must be a good person because I, I, I do these good things for God's work. Uh, and, and, and through many of these, we're just trying to manage people's perceptions of us. You know, it, it becomes garbage if we're, we're just trying to think, as long as people have a good perception of me, then I'm okay. <laughs> but it's not about the perception that people have. It's not about the facade that we create. That, that stuff... It, 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 really becomes all garbage and, and and this whole pile of stuff can never satisfy us it can never sustain us it can never gain us god's approval it just can't do it and yet we all have that garbage that keeps us from just saying jesus only jesus give me Jesus. Philippians, now jumping into verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless, Paul says, when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on our faith. And might I add, on our faith, not on our works, our self-righteous works. Again, we can never attain, we can never attain a relationship with Jesus, and we can never maintain a relationship with Jesus through our own self-efforts. But our sinful natures are constantly striving to convince us that, that that's part of the equation And Paul became convinced that his standing before God, his righteousness could only come through, what did he say? Through faith in Christ, only Jesus. He is saying, give me Jesus, only Jesus. That is my only hope of right standing. What what kind of stuff are you trying to to conjure up, create? (laughs) maintain to to keep that sense of God's acceptance and approval of you. Man, I'm at the point in my life where I refuse to settle. I don't want to settle. I don't I don't want to settle for for anything less than the relationship that that God makes possible this side of heaven. And, and there's always going to be encumbrances there because it's a broken world and and, and I have a sinful nature. But, but I, I don't want to miss getting as close to as good as that can be uh, 
And so I don't want to settle, and, and I don't want you to settle. And, and boy, all of us at times settle for so much less. You know, our connection, as we go on to the second main point here, our connection with Jesus is, is a, an incomparable relationship. And, and back to a phrase in verse 8, yes, everything else is worthless, Paul says, when compared to the infinite value of what? Of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, an incomparable relationship. You know, we've got to be honest with ourselves and we've got to access the value that we place on everyday things, those things that are part of our lives. What value do we place in them and, and how does that compare to the value that we place on, on knowing Jesus? You know, to get an accurate picture of where we stand there, uh, I think we can do that by just appraising our lives right now. How am, am I currently investing my time, my emotions, my resources? Where am I funneling all of that stuff? And, and it pretty much is telling me, if I'm honest about it, that, that's what I value the most. And it can be at the expense of an incomparable relationship with Jesus. Truly, knowing Jesus doesn't result from simply gaining more information about him. Uh, Paul here is expressing a desire to connect to Jesus in ways that can only result from developing a deepening personal relationship with Jesus and, and for this to happen in our lives, we've got to be careful that we don't get stuck on that I'm stirred phase of it. I'm stirred. I, oh, I, I realize that it, I should, should have a better relationship with Jesus. And I know I ought to do this. And I know I ought to stop doing that. And, and I really want it. I really want it. And, and boy, I can get all stirred up. <laughs> but boy, we can go years with ever without ever really taking those steps. That, 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 that adjustment of priorities that can actually put that into action where we're getting to know Jesus at, in ever-deepening ways. Paul viewed his relationship with Jesus, it says here, as having infinite value. You can just put in there that he saw Jesus, that relationship, as an incomparable treasure, his greatest treasure. There was nothing else that shone brighter, meant more to Paul than that relationship of infinite value. So because of that, because of that, his answer to all other competing relationships, his answer to all other enticements was always what? Give me Jesus. Enticement? No. Give me Jesus. Oh, a re tempting relationship? No. Give me Jesus. Because of the infinite value that he saw in Jesus. It's what he invested himself in what he placed his faith in, Jesus, the Son of God. You know, why, why would you ever choose to date someone 
who's pulling you away from Jesus. Why would you ever do that? It's because you think you need them more and you value them more than you value Jesus. Why would you devote big chunks of your time, huge resources, to things that have no eternal value. They will not last. They do not contribute to the kingdom of God. Why? Because you think they can satisfy you more than Jesus. (laughs) He's not enough. (laughs) A relationship, a pursuit, that we choose over Jesus and invest huge chunks of our lives in. And boy, I've tried that (laughs) over and over. I've tried that. And I just want to say, if that's your choice, good luck with that. (laughs) Good luck with that girlfriend. Good luck with that boyfriend. Good luck with that pursuit. Because it's never, ever, ever worked for me. (laughs) And it's not going to work for you. It just won't. As we get to know Jesus, we learn lots of valuable truth about ourselves. I mean, there's value in this infinitely valuable, incomparable relationship. Because as we start to to know his heart, know his heart for us, as we know his truth, man, there's incredible things that we learn about ourselves and how he feels about us. We know that we are loved, that, that we are in him. <laughs> we are in him and, and he is in us. We are adopted into his family. We are so very loved. We learn that we are secure. The, the righteousness His righteousness, his righteousness, not our righteousness. We we, we learn that we are secure because his righteousness is imputed to us. He justifies us. He makes us right. Oh, my. How prone I can be, how prone we can be to allow ourselves to live our lives like we're in a courtroom (laughs) seeking where do I stand? Am I approved or am I rejected? Am I good or am I bad? And on some days in that courtroom, we feel like we're doing pretty good. You know what? I, boy, I did a good thing. I feel good about that. And there's other days we're in that courtroom and, and we're feeling like, man, I stink. (laughs) I'm doing bad. (laughs) And we're concerned about, are we approved by God? And when it comes down to it, it really doesn't matter what our opinion is of ourselves. Because that can get so twisted. And it really doesn't matter about the opinion of the jury (laughs) or those who are called to be witnesses against or for us. What is of value is what God declares to be true about us in that courtroom. 
because he is going to the cross and he has died, shed his blood so that we could be forgiven and justified so that we could be made right. And then he walks into that courtroom and he says, not guilty, you are righteous. You know, as we, do I fully live that in that freedom of that truth? I believe that truth with all my heart. There's times I have trouble appropriating it. <laughs> what a beautiful thing to be in a relationship with an incomparable <laughs> treasure. Because <laughs> we learn such beautiful things that we are secure, that we are loved, and we don't have to live in that courtroom waiting for what others declare about us. An amen would be great. Because I can't tell you how big and important that is in your life and in my life. And where does it come from? Just give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. I want to know him. I, want, I don't want to know facts about him. I want to know him. I want to have him as a companion, fellowship with, a relationship with. <laughs> because then those things just start to fill me up. And I start to think more like Jesus. And I start to behave more like Jesus, not to gain his approval. but in response to his incredible, undeserved gift of love and forgiveness. What a beautiful place to be. What a sweet spot to be. A relationship with Jesus. Just give me Jesus tells us there's always hope because he provides the power to change us, to transform us, so it makes sense to view a relationship like this, a relationship with Jesus as being of infinite value. Give me Jesus. You may be wondering, what if I don't long to know Christ? What if that's really not my experience? <laughs> I don't have that angst. I don't have that passion, that compulsion, and, and I know I'm not going to always get it right, but I don't, even, I don't even think about calling out to God, give me Jesus. <laughs> Why? I, I'm going to give you two scenarios. <laughs> the one could be that maybe you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Possibly you've known facts about Jesus, lots of true, really good facts that you give mental assent to, yes, that makes sense, I think that's true, but you've never, ever really surrendered to Jesus, placed your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. You know facts, you've never appropriated those facts, and so we can create our own religiosity, our own form of religion, but it's not a relationship. Second possibility, maybe you are a child of God. 
but you've grown lukewarm. <laughs> you've just grown lukewarm. Uh, why? Because of sin, unconfessed sin, because of unforsaken idols, things that have become more important to you than that knowing God, knowing Jesus, knowing Christ. And so what happens? We get lukewarm. We get cold. We get cold. And knowing Jesus and that relationship, that pursuit of that relationship, obviously then gets, gets quenched. Both predicaments are serious. Both predicaments are incredibly serious. And they require confession, confession of sin, agreement with God. I am a sinner separated from you, and you are my only hope. It requires repentance, that attitude to say, I choose you over this sin, over this idol. I am going to make an about face and go your direction. And it requires faith in God's provision. God, I believe that you are who you say you are, and I believe you've done what you say you've done, and I believe that I can walk in newness of life, and I can have victory. Please, please, please choose today. Please choose today. Not to make any, not to let any relationship, not to let any enticement keep you away from this incomparable relationship with Jesus. I want you to, today, shout out in your heart to declare, give me Jesus. Only Jesus, give me Jesus. I want to vomit on that pile of garbage and walk away from it. Just give me Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. He will not disappoint you. And that last section here is the depth of relationship. We're going to talk about the depth of relationship. I, I, Paul says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Paul desires a transforming relationship with Jesus that, that legalism, that the keeping of the law could never deliver for him. And so he goes on to explain here in verse 10 what, what he means by wanting to know Christ. Number one, there's two here we're going to look at. Number one, I want to experience, he says, the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to know him. Why? Because I want to experience that power that raised Jesus from the dead. Humanly, folks, we do not have what it takes to live, change lives. We don't have what it takes to impact our broken world. And so the following verses are, are great news. Romans 8, 11, and 12. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, 
He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. Paul says, I want to experience the mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead, that power of that same spirit that rose him from the dead that lives within me. You know, a question that I ask sometimes, I've asked a friend or two recently, and it's this, shouldn't, sometimes I think, shouldn't I be more aware of his presence in me? (laughs) Shouldn't I be more aware if the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me. Some of you here today are pregnant. I'm not speaking prophecy over you. I just observed. And boy, as you get later on in that process, there is no doubt that there is a baby living inside of you. (laughs) And at some point, as much as you're terrorized by the thought of delivery, it's like, now, get this baby born. (laughs) Because it rolls around, it kicks, (laughs) causes a commotion in there, and there's no doubt that there's a baby there and alive inside of you. And sometimes, sometimes I wonder, God, why don't I feel more of that kicking and turning inside of me? My longing, folks, is to see our church family crying out for God's transforming power, crying out for God's transforming power to be felt, to be realized in our lives, in our relationships, in our broken world, in releasing us, because we don't have to be slaves to sin. We can walk in newness of life. In 2023, which is not too many weeks away, uh, we're going to be doing a 14-week series uh, that is called Living in Jesus' Name. And it's just about exploring the life of Jesus and then saying, how can I experience, how can I invite that Jesus into my life and how can that Jesus and his power spill out of me into my everyday situations. I trust that in these coming weeks that there is a cry from our hearts that says, just give me Jesus, only Jesus. Jesus, may your presence be felt in powerful ways. And we aren't going to tell God what to do. We are not going to tell God what to do. We're just going to invite him to do what he wants to do in us and through us. What did 
Paul mean by saying he wanted to know Christ? A, a second phrase here is, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. And, and God uses suffering in our lives to drive us to Jesus, where we, we get to discover him in new ways, in more personal ways. And, and we say, I never want to go through that again, but I would never not go through that because of what I have learned, how it's deep in my connection to Jesus. Jesus sees you in your suffering. He's a companion who knows what it's like to suffer. I think a lot of you have been involved in sports at different phases of your life, and you've probably gone through, you know, football sports camp or soccer sports camp, and, 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 and you remember the long runs and the exercises and the drills, and, and boy, I just know after the first day, for those next couple days, I mean, literally every muscle so sore, hard to walk, hard to get out of bed, hard to run, and, 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 and it's like walking. Why? Why do you do this? Well, why, why do you do it? Because the coach will thrash you if you don't. But, but more importantly, there's, there's this goal, this end goal that, that, that we want to have a good team and, and we want to win more games than we lose. And maybe we got a shot at a championship. And, and, and as we look at that end goal, as we connect that, 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 that suffering through sports camp, to that final goal, it, it starts to make sense to us. And, and it's so important. We connect the dots between our present suffering and, and Jesus' mission, his kingdom purposes. And, and if we make that connection, Scripture makes it clear that in the midst of suffering, there will be great joy. And, and if we don't make that connection, then our suffering won't make sense and it will end up overwhelming us. In Acts 19, verse 16, Ananias got a job from God that he was not thrilled about initially, and, and he was supposed to go to this, this persecutor of the church, Paul, and, 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 and help guide him in his next steps with God. And, and so he obeyed God, and he went to Paul, he restored his sight, and he told him that, that Paul, you're going to suffer. God's told me you're going to suffer for the cause of Christ. And in Philippians 1.29, we read, For you have been given, Ananias says, not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, that is an incredible privilege to trust, to believe in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. And Paul took this and he ran with it because he had a firm belief in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and, and Paul's suffering. It, it isn't what saved him, but it did connect him more intimately to Jesus and, and, and who he was and his power and his mission. 2 Corinthians 4.10, through suffering, our bodies continue to do what? To share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Now, honestly, this sounds kind of bleak, right? Uh, as we, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be seen through suffering. But, but what's the why here? It says, so people can see the life of Jesus through us, so that people can see the life of Jesus through us. Give me Jesus, only Jesus. 
And as we take those steps of obedience, people start to see Jesus in us and through us. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? You know, I think a lot of times, I think a lot of times we, uh, we come to Jesus. <laughs> we accept Jesus. <laughs> and, and, and we haven't been told near enough about what that call is about <laughs> to say yes to Jesus and his mission. And, and, and picture yourself, um, picture yourself as someone who grew up in a country, no social media, no, no uh, TV, no anything like that, and you're very isolated and, and no such thing as, as American football. And so you land in America and you run into me and I say, hey, come on out here to this football field. I got something to, to show you. And, and all you got to do, all you got to do is take this football and you're in the 20-yard line. Let's see the 20 over there. And you're going to run over all those lines till you get to that end zone. And, and it's 80 yards. You can walk if you want, but you just got to get there. And you know what? You'll be a winner. You'll be a hero. You're going to score points. <laughs> and that's a really good thing. And you're thinking, whoa, I can do that. <laughs> I'm going to be a winner. Here I go. <laughs> but there's 11 players, big, strong, pads, helmets, and they want to crush you to the ground. And so you start up that field, and you get clobbered. You're like, this is not, this isn't what I signed up for. What is this about? And it's so important that we understand when we accept Jesus by the goodness of our hearts, that there's an incredible call on our lives. It's about joining Jesus on his mission. It's about denying ourselves, picking up our cross and following him. And, 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 and we see in scripture there's a close tie between experiencing the transforming power of the resurrection and, and sharing in Jesus' suffering. In Romans 8, 17 it says, and since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together, in fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But, but, if we are to share in his glory, we must also share in his suffering. Give me Jesus. I want to share in his death. Give me Jesus. I'm going to suffer for him. Give me Jesus. What's that look like for you today? So Paul says in verse 10, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Paul knew that only Jesus could already done that really well. So he's not talking about that. He didn't need to die for the sins of the world. And this isn't about Paul looking forward to his impending martyrdom, though that would take place. Uh, this is about the suffering that results from joining Jesus in his mission. It's about dying to self. It's about being. It's about living for Jesus. Galatians 2.20 says, 
My old self has been crucified with Christ. My old self has been crucified with Christ, so it no longer, so it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body. How do I live in this earthly body now? By trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to encourage you to bow your heads right now. And I just want to say, understanding what's on the line, what it means to know Jesus, what it means to say yes to his call, what it means to to say, give me Jesus, only Jesus. Knowing what's on the line we got to be honest, and, and we got to say, am I willing, are you willing to take the ball and, and, and sacrifice everything to get it into the end zone? And yes, you're right, you, you don't have what it takes, but it's no longer about you. It's no longer about me. It's about Christ lives in you. So I want you to talk to God as we kick off this series. And, and I can't wait to get into the next couple weeks. But I want you to talk to God about right now. What is your heart? Is your heart crying out, give me Jesus, only Jesus? Or is there some business you need to do to get things in the places they need to be? Talk to God. Let's just quietly talk to God right now. Father God, hear, hear the cries of your And God, I'm believing that the And I pray that, that you will continue to work in each one of our hearts, that our hearts will bombard you, bombard heaven, with the cry, give me Jesus, only Jesus. God, we want to experience the power of your resurrection, the power of the Spirit that raised your Son, Jesus, from the dead. We want to share in your suffering because there is a big mission here on earth and my life is a, just a vapor and I don't want it to be wasted. God, continue to stir that in each one of our hearts. And Father, God, do the work that only you can do. And we just simply say we Place our faith in you, in Jesus, in his name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise In the morning when I rise Give me Jesus 
Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. You can have all this world. Just give me I am alone when I am alone. Oh, when I am alone, just give me Jesus. Give me my heart to hear this church family singing those words out before God and my prayer and I trust your prayers will be that God will continue to help us take that next step that we need to take in order to live a just give me Jesus life only Jesus life oh may he hear that cry from our hearts increasingly in the weeks and months to come for his honor for his glory amen and amen let's do this next week god bless you